You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Ollie Southgate, and from the Broadway Podcast Network, this is Putting It Together, where on the first Friday of each month, I sit down with one of Broadway's best business minds to talk about the state of the art and their role in keeping the world's biggest theatre town at the top of the list on this month's show. Now, when people were walking out of the show, they could, in 15 seconds, tell 150 or 150,000 of the people that they were connected to what they thought of this thing. And so word of mouth was just able to spread like wildfire in a way that it had never had before. Mike Kahn, CEO of Broadway's social media management company Marathon Digital, sits down to talk about the rapidly changing way Broadway shows talk to their audiences. It's been really cool to watch producing teams recognize the importance of it and the value of it and be able to communicate in ways that can articulate what it is that they're looking for in a way that we can then take that information and make something from it. We discuss the industry's response to the social media revolution and how a specialism may be the key that opens the door, but being a jack of all trades keeps his business going. So let's find out how Mike Carnes puts it all together. I started doing theater when I was in fifth grade. I auditioned for a production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, at the Youth Theater in Erie, Pennsylvania. The mental image is killing me. Yep, I was, I was cast as Gad and the Baker. Um, and from the first time that I was a part of that theater company, uh, I felt the total hook of the community and of the stuff that we were doing and have been a theater rat since then. Love that. And then tell me about your tell me about your career, everything before Marathon. Yeah, so I uh, went to school for stage management and lighting design. I don't have a marketing or advertising background. I always wanted to find something that sort of blended the business and art 
sides of my brain. And so I got out of school and I worked for about a year and a half for two guys that were producing a show called Allegiance that George Takei was starring in. Mm -hmm. As part of that, they had started all of George Takei's social media channels. So I helped them run those during the time that I was working with those guys. And that was really where I learned the ins and outs of social media. And it was very much at a time when social was this new thing that not a lot of people knew about and algorithms hadn't been introduced yet. And so it really was the the Wild West. So it was consisted mostly of us just trying things and figuring out what worked and what didn't work. And then I left that job and did a few other odd jobs, sold some advertising for a while and always had a side hustle of doing social media. And then I was uh, introduced to Jeffrey Seller back in 2013 and picked his brain about producing and what my path could be and his biggest advice was you got to find a job that you can make some money because you're not going to make any money producing right which is the single best advice i've ever received because sure. i still am like waiting on that opportunity to make some money producing um but i mentioned in the conversation that i was at the time doing social media for a show called 50 shades the musical at the electra theater and it happened to be the same day that he had a digital meeting with the agency that he was working with on the last ship and he uh, wanted to take an alternative path with the social media and find an opportunity to pay less. And his assistant called me the next day and was like, you know, would you feel comfortable running the social media for this Broadway show? Um, I had no clue what I was doing. So, of course, I was like, yeah, I can handle that. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, no yeah, problem. You know? <laughs> um, so that was sort of the beginning of the company uh, at that point. And social media company can sometimes be a bit of a vague description yeah. to those who aren't working like in the marketing field. So like day to day, what specifically does your company do? Yeah, for sure. So the sort of biggest differentiator of us versus like a situation or someone like that is that we only focus on organic social media. So that means that we are creating content and cultivating communities on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all of the places where fans come to gather and to connect with the brands that they want to talk to or be a part of, we run all of those channels and we work to sort of seamlessly blend into whatever advertising team we're working in collaboration with and really just bring this specialized focus on social media into those rooms. And so amongst uh, a long and ever-growing list of clients, we mentioned some of them at the start, um, you count a show that's been one of Broadway's biggest game changers, Hamilton, mm -hmm. um, and specifically that show, I feel like because of how so many people discovered it, has upped the ante for Broadway shows, social media efforts. Um, and that's really down to the you and like the people in this office, right? So I was hoping you could tell me about what what the challenges were when you first landed that show kind of before it was the behemoth thing that it is now and how that's changed as it's grown and become this this worldwide success story. Yeah, totally. I, when I started this business, and I say I started the business when The Last Ship premiered, um, social media was very much a thing where, that people recognized was important to have but could not quantify the actual value of that. And so therefore didn't want to spend a lot of money to focus attention or resources on it. Mm -hmm. When I came in, I was running around shooting videos on my iPhone. So the costs associated with hiring me were drastically less than an agency. Right. So the place that I won early on in the game was winning in price. And as Hamilton started to happen, 
A, we recognized very early on that it was going to be a show because of how active Lynn was on Twitter and because of the people that were starting to come and see it, even when it was downtown. We knew that this was a show that was really going to lean into social media in a, in a major way or a more major way than had been done before. Right. And the thing that I think is the most interesting observation about Hamilton is that it came to prominence at a time that was exactly the same as when social media shifted from being a nice to have side thing to an integral part of the advertising strategy. And so as a result of that, not only was the show huge and the social media was huge, but the social media actually played a role in building the brand and in cultivating new fans and right. all of the stuff that goes with that. You, you know? Yeah. You say that like it was a coincidence though. Do you not think it was probably partly to do with that show? I, I definitely think that the heat of the show threw a ton of gas on the fire of the social media channels. Yeah. But I also think that it was a result of the fact that social media in its very nature was becoming more integral to connection and community. Uh -huh. So I, I absolutely, it was the fact that Lynn was tweeting all the time right, that right. built the Twitter for us and that we then carried over to the other platforms um, and the heat of the show and the visibility of the show was massive. The thing I would say, and it's interesting because both were Jeffrey Seller, but like I think that if Rent had premiered in a time period where social media was prominent, it would have had a similar reception as Hamilton did. But the difference was when you walked out of Rent, you could call three of your best friends and tell them that you had this transcendent theatrical experience. Whereas right. now when people were walking out of the show, they could in 15 seconds tell 150 or 150,000 of the people that they were connected to, quote unquote, uh, what they thought of this thing. And so word of mouth was just able to spread like wildfire in a way that it never had before. Right, right, gotcha. And since then, uh, Marathon as a business has grown exponentially. We're here at your Midtown offices with your ever-growing team. Do you know what your headcount is in now? Yeah, I have 12 full-time in office now, and then we work with probably 11 or 12 contractors. As right, well. right. As someone as someone that has like known you through this whole journey, that's absolutely nuts, but like so amazing <laughs> It's nuts well. to me too, man. Um, what makes for the right kind of person to do what you do? Are there like specific traits you have that you think serve a person while for social media like as a career yeah I mean especially early on in the company and I would say that it still exists but we look for people that are multifaceted in their skill sets like for the first year and a half it was just me running things for as Hamilton was premiering even when it moved uptown in the beginning eight months of that run was just me running around. So therefore I was shooting videos, I was creating posts, I was writing copy, I was doing mm -hmm. all of the things associated. And as I started to add people and as we started to add shows to our roster, it was necessary that those people could equally do those things. Right. Now, none of them were movie level videographers, but they knew how to turn a camera on, hit record and shoot the thing that they needed to shoot. Yeah. Um, as we've continued to grow, we've been able to really build specializations within the company. There are account managers, there are creative team members, there are videographers, graphic designers. Um, but the biggest thing that continues to prevail in that is people that are able to adapt quickly and people that are able to create 
at great speeds, volume of content continues to be king. And so our ability to churn out large volumes of content as our client list has expanded has necessitated people that are able to work quickly that can go and shoot something and then come back and edit it together quickly to be able to mm -hmm. turn around or when things are trending, capitalize on that. So adaptability, I think, is like the, the skill set that has been most valuable to the people that work here. Right. It's funny. Everyone I talk to for this show where I talk about like what makes what makes like a good employee in like your very specific line of work everyone usually boils back to you have to be able to do everything yeah like that's i think yeah. i think it's like an inherent thing of broadway as a the business industry, is like yeah if you can not be an expert in everything but if you can know a little something about as many things as possible that's kind of the best thing to do right? totally yeah um and so with all that growth when you and I catch up away from the glare of a microphone, <laughs> you often talk about the struggle of finding time to keep doing the work itself while also like running a business. Because yeah. that is a whole set of to-dos completely separate from, you know, actually delivering the work. Totally. How do you balance those two things as Marathon keeps growing? Yeah, a, a big thing for me is that it has been dependent on me finding people that I trust to be able to run without me being in it. Mm -hmm. So as we continue to add clients, my job has shifted largely to client management and employee management. So I now am just running a business. I don't even really work in the sort of minutia of the day-to-day -day of social media. I'm right. looking big picture. And so having people on my team that I trust to run with something when I've had an idea or we've talked about something in a meeting and know, okay, they're going to take that ball and they're going to run with it has been the, the only thing that has allowed us to continue to grow because I then am able to release my hold on some of the things that right, I have to do. Right. Would you describe yourself as a good delegator? I think that one of the things that I enjoy most in this career path that I've randomly found myself in is yeah. that I really love leading people. Right. I really like identifying what people's strengths are and helping them spread their wings to the full potential in doing that. I like hiring and finding people that fit that exact thing in that moment that we need and then bringing them onto the team and making them feel a part of it. Uh, more than anything, the thing I'm most proud of in my entire career is that the people that sit over in the room and work together every day in and out will voluntarily choose to spend time with each other outside of work because yeah. they really care about each other. They really care about the, the family that we have, have created here. Uh, that That is the thing that I've, I've been most proud of. That sense of community, I think, especially in the theater world is... I mean, it's so important at every other level, and sometimes it doesn't always make its way out into like the offices. Yeah. Um, but no, I love that. Especially when people are, are working crazy hours, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like most jobs in the Broadway space are not, you know, you check in at 10, you check out at 6, and then you're not thinking about it other times. It's mm -hmm. like it, it's a real commitment. And so it it is absolutely necessary to cultivate a place where people enjoy doing that. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Back to what's on our phone screens. Uh, what do you what do you think the biggest challenges are for Broadway shows trying to cut through everything else that there is on social media? I think that one of the challenges that we face is finding ways to align ourselves with cultural trends, mm -hmm. identifying ways to speak to people in the way that they are used to be spoken to. Uh, so many times in ads and things like that, it's it's one-way communication. So you're just putting something out there, hoping somebody responds well to it and then buys a ticket. Social is so different in that you are trying to really cultivate an authentic connection. Authentic is a word that's thrown around so much now, but I really think it has value is it, you have to 
people have to feel as though it's real and they can reach out and touch it and be a part of it. Um, and so finding the ways to adapt and use the platforms in ways that can decrease that distance between brands and their fans um, is a, a challenge that I think we continue to face, mm-hmm. which never gets easier because well, the minute that we crack the nut of how to do Facebook lives, it's like Facebook lives are old now, you know, and it's right, like, what's right. the next thing? And so trying to keep up to the constant trends when you have limited time and limited budgets mm-hmm. on Broadway, when you when in comparison to like movies or TV or whatever, is like the biggest challenge that we face. Right. And obviously, uh, marathon clientele aside, who I'm sure do an excellent job of that, how do you feel like the industry is handling that? I think that it's been really interesting to watch Again, having sort of, I feel like I was there at the moment when social media started to become an actual thing. And so it's been really cool to watch both advertising teams and producing teams of equal importance, if not more importance, the producing teams recognize the importance of it and the value of it and be able to communicate in ways that can articulate what it is that they're looking for in a way that we can then take that information and make something from it, you know? Um, And so I've really appreciated watching the requirement of nimbleness that has come of the ad agencies as a result of that, you know? Nobody is able to sort of rinse and repeat the things that they used to do because the way that you did it six months ago on that show that now is closed could be totally different based on just where we are culturally, what platforms have taken off since then. I mean, Mm -hmm. if we had this interview three months ago when we were talking about doing it, I might not have brought up TikTok even as a, a thing. Whereas you look at Beetlejuice and we're leaning into it in Hamilton and Hadestown. It's like that now is a component of what we're talking about. And so right. being forced to sort of adapt and change has been uh, fun to watch on both sides. Right. And strangely enough, my next question is about TikTok. Uh, but we'll uh, <laughs> get back to that and more with more from Marathon Digital's Mike Cons right after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So as well as giving you the opportunity to delve into the minds of the people who run the Great White Way, another super exciting thing about putting it together is that it's part of the Broadway Podcast Network, a new place to find any and all things theatre-related in podcast form. As well as us, there's a whole bunch of other shows on the platform, including Breaking Broadway with Kerry Butler, Behind the Curtain, Equity One, Broadway's Happy Hour, and many, many more. To find out more about BPN, visit broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and take a look at the other shows we've got on offer. That's Broadway Podcast Network, so let's talk about TikTok. Um, I feel like of all the major social platforms, it's the newest one that Broadway as a whole is a bit confused by. It's so funny because I feel like I've always been one of those people. I don't feel like anyone like of our generation yep. has been the person in those meetings who like when someone says like, what is Facebook? I don't really get it. And you're just like, oh, like you have no idea how old you sound right now. And now people talk to me about TikTok and I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I've not got a clue. <laughs> there are some exceptions where it's 
like a huge channels. You mentioned some of them, like the Beetlejuices of the world. Yeah. Um, do you think that's going to change? And every show a year from now will be running a TikTok account, just like they run a Facebook page or a Twitter account, or is it really just a platform for like shows with super fans? It's a great question. I think that as with let's use Instagram as a comparative example, right? The audience for Hades Town on Instagram is far larger and more rabid than the fan base for Ain't Too Proud on Instagram. Mm-hmm. However, both have a purpose to that demo that they're trying to talk to. I think that the strategies will be different, but my guess is that all shows will utilize TikTok in some way right. over the course of the next year. And are there other platforms that you kind of see coming down the pipeline or is it really just impossible to predict what the next one's going to be? No, I mean, I think that the thing that's most interesting with me for TikTok, two things that are interesting about TikTok where it's positioned right now. One is that we are in a place with TikTok that Facebook was when I first started doing this pre-algorithm and at a moment when there are more eyeballs then there are videos to feed those eyeballs. Right. And as a result of that, if you create something that TikTok deems as a lot of people are interested in, you have the ability to have zero followers and get 3 million views on a piece of content that you make. Right. Whereas if you're on Instagram, it's like there's no possibility of that organically. No, sure. So, so that being one of the things is that the opportunity for you to, to grow so fast because the platform itself is growing so fast. I mean, 1.5 billion downloads, like it's, it's massive. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is that TikTok, in my opinion, is different than any social platform before, maybe similar to Vine in that it is an entertainment social platform versus a connection social platform. Mm-hmm. You're not going on TikTok to hear the latest news about a show or to, see the sexy photo of the Instagram model that's on there or something like that. You go on TikTok to consume content largely that I have seen that brings joy or that is entertaining in some way. Mm -hmm. It is more about entertainment than it is about connection or any of those things. And so the purpose that it serves and the place that it can sit is far different. Right. It's not, it's not like this is a place to go catch up with my sister. No, that's not what you're going on there for. Now, if your sister is making really fun home videos that are going on TikTok and performing really well, you might go on there, but your purpose of going on that platform is to be entertained rather than to learn or connect or brag. Right, right. Is video really the biggest thing or is there another type of content that you think... On TikTok specifically or no, in general? I, I just mean that you that you think the industry needs to be like ready for. Video, 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 it's video, still video, video, video. And I think that the thing that we still are catching up on is that volume is key as well. Mm. I think that there is an opportunity to continue to create more than we are even creating now, which is a big reason why we, the way we structure my business is that we roll in content development as part of our weekly fee, because I feel like it necessitates large volumes of content being made in order to keep these platforms going. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I think that video continues to dominate. And is there anything else you see changing in the way Broadway works as a whole, maybe not not necessarily even talking about social media anymore, but is there anything 
or anything you would like to see change in the way Broadway works as a whole, be it in advertising, just in the way it operates? Yeah, um, working on Slave Play in the fall was really eye-opening for me in that there was a concerted effort by that producing team. Greg Noble, from the first day that he walked into that room, said, we are making a real effort, not a lip service effort, to reach other communities than rich white folks. Mm -hmm. And I think that accessibility continues to be our biggest challenge because of price, but also our biggest opportunity to create different ways to give access to those people and right. and just to talk to those people. You know, we talk so much in Ain't Too Proud. It's like, if you just actually authentically reach out to the African-American community, for example, like they will come, but they need to feel as though they've been invited. Right. And so I think that the thing that I'm most excited by and that shows like Slave Play and Ain't Too Proud are moving the needle on is sort of forcing us out of our comfort zone of advertising to the rich Upper West Side ladies and really trying to reach new communities. Mm -hmm. And that is one of many things that's kind of a symptom of, of Broadway being the old business that it is. Mm -hmm. The big players are also mostly very old companies and you founded one of a handful of the newer ones in the last decade or so that's managed to cut through and find some success. So my question is, what's your advice to someone else coming into the Broadway space specifically as a startup? My path was so serendipitous that it's hard for me to be like, if you just do this, this, and this, you'll be able to create your own business. I, I came in at a time when this thing wasn't valuable. I was able to do it cheaper than other people. And I happened to align myself with a producer who was shepherding the largest hit maybe of all time mm -hmm. to Broadway. Right. So it's hard to say, oh, if you, you know, you just follow these choices I made, you'll be able to find your own path. I think that the biggest thing for me, and this is another sort of piece of advice that Jeffrey gave me in that first, very first meeting that we had was you got to find the community of people that you want to surround yourself with. And you got to find the other young, hungry people. You know, it's like you and me. It's like we've known each other since the come up, like since the very beginning. I've known Stephen Tardick at RPM since we were working at Davenport together. And it's right. like finding those people that you can align yourself with, whether it's so you can start your own business or whether it's so you can find your path within an already existing business. Um, I, I, that to me is like the biggest opportunity and obligation of people that are young and hungry and coming into the space. And as well as your work in social media, you've also made, you, you kind of talked yourself down on this earlier, but you've made some pretty sharp producing choices in the last few years. Thanks, I appreciate uh, that. You're, uh, you're currently above the title on Hadestown and Ain't Too Proud. Yeah. Um, both of those are shows posting seven-figure grosses every week. Do you have any hot tips on what the early indicators are for a show worth backing. Yeah, n not to continue to to go to the Jeffrey Seller uh, <laughs> pedagogy. If, if, Jeffrey, if Jeffrey Seller's it, doing it. Yeah, honestly, but like his his uh, advice, again, in, the, in that first meeting that I had with him was you got to find artists that you love and believe in and you have to find things that you feel speak to your soul. Uh, Rachel Chavkin, I worked on The Great Comet with Rachel. Uh, I was also a co-producer of that as well. And right. from the moment that I encountered her and watched her work, I was like, she is going to change the game of Broadway. And right. so I have since tried to align myself with all of the things that Rachel is working on and trying to associate myself with those types of artists. Mm -hmm. um, and similarly, I went to see Hadestown I didn't see it when it was at the New York Theater Workshop, but I went to see it when it was up in Edmonton. And it was not at all the show that is on Broadway. It was rough and there were big things that weren't working and uh, there were problematic elements of it. But that music 
spoke to my soul. It right. was like, I, it, I felt it. I felt sitting there. I was like, this, there is genius in here. And the combination of there is genius within this and it is being led by an artist who I believe has the ability to bring that out is the thing that I, I look for in, right. in the shows that I'm choosing. And my final question on this show is the same in every interview. Let's say you had never been Joseph, you know, let's say you'd never made it into that show. Yeah. Uh, and theater had not sort of like consumed your life in the way that it has ended up doing. Do you have any ideas what else you would be doing? Is there, was there ever a, was there ever a backup plan? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'm a, I'm the son of a third grade teacher and a high school principal. And so, you know, the, education path is something that I have always and continue to be interested in being part of what I do. Right. Um, the thing that I realized most, I, I had no intention of starting this business. I, I had no intention of starting a business. Um, but about two years into the company, as I started to hire people and as I was, it was becoming more of like a legitimate thing rather than like this fluke thing that I was going to do for a little while until I found the next thing. Um, I was able to start looking back in my childhood and see these moments of my entrepreneurial spirit is like I made and sold these t-shirts when I was in high school out of the back of a truck outside of these basketball games. And I organized this ultimate Frisbee tournament the summer after my junior year of high school. And so there were these things and I was just doing them because like I wanted some free cash and to, to be able to spend money so I didn't have to wait for my parents. And right. um, I wanted to be able to play ultimate Frisbee with a bunch of people that were coming in from different places. Um, so I think that I would be uh, still doing something entrepreneurial but um, unsure of what that space would have turned out to be. Mike Carnes of Marathon Digital. And you can find out more about Marathon's work at marathondgtl.com, but it's probably more apt to say that you can also find them on social media. They're at marathondgtl, and Mike is at mcarns underscore presents. Putting It Together is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. Our music is by Euless Pecan, and artwork and editing is by me, Ollie Southgate. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ollie Southie. That's with an I-E, not a Y. Next month, we're talking to Broadway marketing director Michelle Groner, founder of The Groner Group. We'll be discussing the ever-changing role of the ad agency in a Broadway show's life and her unique role in shepherding a show from infancy to big brand. That episode hits your feeds on the first Friday of next month, so that's March 6th. But until then, goodbye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.